if we think that prediction of events is different from psychology, then we haven't really understood either. Mm-hmm. Because pre- events, for example, the body is a manifestation of the mind. Right. Yeah. So therefore, events are manifestations of psychology. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there really isn't a difference between using, you know, if astrology used to predict events is the same exact thing as astrology used to do psychology, it's just the way that you enunciate your interpretation is in words about a prediction or in words about a description. But it's the same exact thing. This is Cosmic Cocktails, a colorful space where we mix and match Ayurveda, Vedic Astrology and Dream Yoga to test how we can best navigate through all tastes of life, even the bitter. From sacred mantras and saturnial remedies to planetary outfits and karmic breakups. Welcome to another episode of Cosmic Cocktails. Today we have a very special guest and very cool guest in our studio. By far the most rock and roll so far, that's for sure. We call him the Mick Jagger of Vedic Astrology. Someone who's not afraid to be on stage, whether it's for slamming the guitar in his former Krishna core band 108, or explaining the magical universe and all its constellations on YouTube. Today he's here to talk about the 27 nakshatras, the most important stars within Vedic Astrology. And of course, with him being the biggest star of all. Welcome to the stage, the cosmic stage, Vic Dakara. Okay, so uh, this is a new episode of Cosmic Cocktails, and we are here with a very special guest, someone we wanted to talk for um, uh, about with for a long time, uh, Vic Dakara. Do I say it well, Vic Dakara? Very good. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, we wanted to talk about a topic that we haven't discussed that much yet in our studies, and we know you're quite an expert on this. We've been following you uh, for quite a while now. It's uh, it's about the nakshatras, um, which is a very big part of Vedic astrology, something that most people are not very familiar with, actually. Um, even the word might be like, what is that? So mm. uh, I hope you can explain uh, much more about it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, really, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Where should I start? Where should you start? <laughs> yeah, to explain nakshatras, how sh- what should I start? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, we wanted to, to go a little bit back to actually know more about you, who you are, and, and your Jyotish um, past. Okay. Because uh, we, we actually know about you because of our teacher, he started talking about Krishna core, which mm-hmm. is like a musical, like music. Um, what's, what should I say? Like a music genre. genre? Can, yeah. can we say that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So, so now I, you know who I feel like right now? What's the Mick Jagger? I feel like Mick Jagger right now. Like a 70 year old guy who was like a rocker. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm like um, the 52 year old rocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you already drinking some whiskey? Nah. <laughs> we did Krishna course, so we were like against alcohol and stuff. Oh, I, that's true, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, um, and he said, like, you should really watch the videos and the teachings of, uh, of Vic. So we were just wondering, like, because you still now, if we watch your videos online as well about the nakshatras, you mix the ancient philosophies and teachings with music, actually, right? With music? Yeah. With it, with singing and and in this band, in that, not yeah. not this band, but you still mix like the ancient philosophy, for example, with music. With music, this locus with your students. Yeah, it's kind of impossible to not mix it because they because you know, Veda is called Shabda. Shabda means sound. Hmm. So it's sort of impossible not to mix music. In fact, the, the music is one of the six original sciences or arts of humanity. Hmm. because you can't really do the Vedas. You can't really enunciate the Vedas without music. Hmm. You know, there's actually, music is actually based on three notes. It's very simple. The way that we get all our scales and everything is just three notes in music. 
middle, higher, and lower. And then, um, so that's what those, those were the accent marks they used to put on Vedic mantras, whether the syllable should be high pitch, low pitch, or in between. Mm. So you had to learn a bit of melody just to chant the Veda. Right, yeah, I really like it. Like, it's like the, how do you record that? Because I hear you and the students uh, singing the shlokas. Yeah, we did that because um, my background is I'm a musician. I even had a recording studio in my garage when I lived in California. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of, you know, I could turn on a computer and make it work, you know, to record the stuff <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's, and I have like, old, I have some of my old equipment lying around mm. here and there, just enough to do whatever I need to do. Right. So once you, you once you're good at something, it's really easy to just keep doing it. But like when you learn, it's really difficult to learn something new. So since I already know mu you know music, then it's really easy for me to just make make a song. But or does it depend on your nakshatra whether something is difficult to learn? I'm sure. I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so can you share a little bit about your background with music and um, Hare Krishna, and also how do you came into the Jyotish? Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're all connected, really. Exactly. I don't know. Actually, music, my musical, uh, what we call it, adventure, starting from my mom, just like everything does, for, mm. uh, because she really loved this one particular song, Moonlight Sonata. And she, has a, she had an ambition that her, her son would play the Moonlight Sonata for her one day. That was like one of her things. Okay, I want a Corvette, I want a big house, and I want a son who plays the Moonlight Sonata. <laughs> wow, that's really specific. Yeah. So she, when I was still young, they she got a piano and stuck me in classes. Hmm. So that's where that sort of started. But then on a separate track, the the inherent kind of feeling of not fitting in with the world, which was from birth, was also percolating and, and developing. So. As, as I was getting to that youthful maturity, I started to, uh, you know, go towards countercultures and instead of going towards mainstream. So like, instead of getting into baseball or football, I got into skateboarding and BMX freestyle. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I got into punk rock. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden my piano lessons seemed a little bit relevant because I could like maybe do punk, actually make the music. Cause that's one of the nice things about punk rock. It's not too rarefied. It's not a fine art, obviously, right? It's a real mm. simple, folky thing, and basically anybody can do it. So I thought, cool, I'll join a band. And since I had a musical background, thanks to my mom, and I was able to play Moonlight Sonata, a simplified version for her at that time, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was able to just kind of like jump right in. Right. And then because of that, we were attending concerts and things in the Lower East Side which is a really intense area of the world, especially in the late 80s and early 90s. So there's all kinds of really unique things happening in the Lower East Side of New York in the punk rock scene. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, there was this band, actually there were two bands that were extremely spiritual. One was called the Bad Brains, but they were like Rastafarian punk. Mm -hmm. And then another was the Chromags and they were Krishna punk. And they were just so, it was just like so hardcore. They were just so intense. The music was just so brutal. It was just like a, a wrecking machine, their music. So it was just fascinating to me because I had a lot of discomfort. Just feeling like I didn't fit in the world and everything. So I, I, I really liked that music. And they would bring, you know, Hare Krishnas to their concerts sometimes, or they would bring Krishna books to their concerts and stuff. So my drummer threw one at me one day and said, I hate this. You take it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he hates it because he, he hated it because he thought it was about the caste system because he meant because the author mentions the names of castes in the beginning. Mm. So I, I said, wow, and it was an Upanishad. And I opened it up and I was just like, okay, here it is. <laughs> this, is the, the, this is what I was waiting for. This is the thing, you know. So and that's what how did, I got. What do you mean? Like, this is it. Like, what, what were you waiting for then? What I mean is in my 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 mother is very like artistic and mommy like momish and my dad is very scientific and daddish mm. so my, i would i wouldn't hesitate to say my dad is like very smart mm. so philosophy was like a thing 
Right. Yeah. Not like an explicit thing, but like everything was like, whether, whatever it was, it had a logical way of explaining it with mm-hmm. him. So that I grew up with that. And then I grew up with feeling like I'm, I'm supposed to be in contact with something divine, but where is it? I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not in contact with the thing I'm supposed to be in contact with. The, mm-hmm. the visible world is not where I belong. It's kind of feeling in my subconscious. So I was always thinking spirituality, spirituality, and my dad was always cutting it down because he would just rip it apart with logic. Like when I was a kid, I had an encounter with a ghost in my house, but my dad actually like deconstructed the entire thing and broke it all down to like regular physics. Mm. (laughs) So like my whole whole elation of like having a paranormal experience just like crumbled. But what happened when I got the Upanishad, Mm. the, the Vedic approach to spirituality is so glorious because it marries the science and logic with the intuition and spirituality. When I got the Upanishad, I just, I just realized this is it. This is my, this is, if my father was, was a sage, this would be what he would say. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And how old were you then when you found that book? Like 18. Oh yeah. 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 So you were there and it was hardcore and you found this book and this book found you probably not the other way. So what happened? Mm, a lot of details. To give you the short story, what happened was then some of the bands that were doing, well, then I tried to like do Krishna music mm. too, like the Chromex. The Chromex were kind of phasing out. So um, I, I tried to do that too. So then I wound up, well, then I was actually in a band with some famous people, but then that band split up because of the Krishna conscious thing, right? Right. So then I wound up getting scooped up into another band that was doing Krishna hardcore punk. And then with that, I just, that was also like my way of moving into a Hare Krishna temple without completely terrifying my mother and father, or just like prolonging, you know, the terror, terror, terror (laughs) of your son joining a cult. But Yeah, so that's what happened after that. I wound up, you know, living in ashrams, but yeah. also doing the music because the people in the temple were like, this is great. You're like preaching. You're like telling people about our society. You're telling people about our movement. And tons of new people are coming to our temples that haven't been coming for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So don't stop. Keep doing it. This, this was in India or where was this? Well, this was the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So the, the headquarters is in India, but their centers are all over the place. Exactly. So I, I was going back and, forth, back and forth. I wasn't really staying in a place for very long. You know, I would spend a couple of months in India, then come back and spend a couple of months in, say, New Jersey or something. But after a while, I wound up settling down in New Jersey for a few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The New Jersey temple. Right. So you were spreading, like, the Hare Krishna teachings or stories but in your very own unique way yeah wow that's pretty cool (laughs) different different energy so um so when you like in retrospect like moving all over the world and the path you were walking on now with probably you know your own chart does everything makes more sense now you go Mm. like right yeah 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 it makes ridiculous sense it's it's like (laughs) It's like if you, when you have a friend with you that always like pops the bubble, pops yeah. your bubble. That's what a chart is like, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So how did Jyotish came into your life? That's also very interesting. It made its first appearance. Of course, it's it made its first person. It hmm? made its first appearance. It oh, almost yeah. Made it's like a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a big love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It made its first appearance, I remember when I was like eight years old or something. And mm-hmm. I, at, in New York, on Long Island, or maybe in America, or maybe everywhere, around that time, which was like 78, they had bubblegum machines. Right? We used to put like five cents or a dime in a machine, turn, turn the thing and get bubble out. But then all of a sudden they came up with this thing called the Star Scroll, mm-hmm. where they, they took like a little plastic tube and they wrapped up paper inside it and they wrote down your horoscope. 
Right. Like if you're a Leo, then this would be the, and um, or actually inside the scar star scope, they had all twelve, all twelve signs for that month. Or I don't know how often they would refill the machine, but I saw this <laughs> gum poem. When as I'm getting gum, I see this one next to it. It says Star Scroll. I'm like, wow, that's like totally what I'm into, <laughs> because I was into, I was always into wizards or magic or something. You know what I mean? Something. Mm-hmm. So Star Scroll sounds cool to me. So I got a star scroll and I've read my horoscope. I'm a, I'm a, what, what, one of the, what sign am I? She, oh, you're a Leo, honey. Then I look up Leo and it says that, you know, I'm going to brave this month, et cetera. And um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then that was like the first time I ever knew that there was like such a thing as astrology. Mm-hmm. And then mom's Cosmo, I some, sometimes she'll have it on a page where it says, oh, the horoscope for this month is that. That's it. That's all I knew about it. Right. It's kind of like a mom thing, or it was a cosmopolitan thing, or it was a thing in a gumball machine. It wasn't like a, it was certainly not something my dad would be into, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, or he would break it totally down. Yeah. Yeah. Into scientific stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then you fast forward until I'm in India in one of my like extended visits in India in my guru's room. On his bookshelf, there's a book. There's a book that says notable horoscopes. Hmm. So I'm like, what is this? Like, he's got a star scroll thing or a Cosmo magazine like thing. On his... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Notable horoscopes was B.V. Raman. It was mm-hmm. like it was the book for a while, and um, yeah, I opened it up and I was like, whoa, this is this is astrology, right? This is charts and like. Just like long scientific explanations of things like, wow, what is this? And then he told me, yeah, the, uh, astrology is an important part of Indian culture and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, interesting. And then I kind of like thought about it. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense. If you know the planet's position at one time and the planets indicate karma, you can rewind it, you can fast, fast forward it, you can rewind it so you could see the changes in the karma. That, that sort of makes sense. Mm. But, but that was it. Then you have to fast forward again till after I got married in 1996. Mm. Then, then how do you make money after you're married and you, you know, you were a Hare Krishna? How do you make money? So after a while, I mean, I have skill with computers, et cetera, et cetera. So I was doing that, but it was extremely boring. So after a while, my wife just out of the blue said, become an astro- a Vedic astrologer. You could do that. You'd be good at that. <laughs> She's what like, happened? her her chart's like super, everything is moon, everything is inspiration, everything is intuition. So she just like popped out, like, do this. And I'm like, okay. And then I, I picked up, a, uh, I started to pick up the books that you read to figure it out. And it was just like, oh, I, it was the thing like, aha, I, I remember that. It was like, I remember that kind of thing rather than like, what is this? I have to learn this. So it was just like, yeah, dust off this stuff. I figured this out. Yeah, It's more remembering than learning. Yeah. 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 And because I knew, like, because I had spent decade or more with India in general, all the background concepts of karma, et cetera, were super familiar to me. And then also, like, any reference that they would make, like, if they would say Navamsha's Dharma, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense because I just spent ten years studying Dharma. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, when they say karma, blah blah blah, all those words made sense to me. So it was easy for me to get get in there very fast and figure out what it really is mm-hmm. or you or maybe you know that you have some previous lives connected to these yeah that's probably what it is it is it's, it was a similar experience with the uh, guitar mm. and then it's with my daughter with the piano it's just like you'll you'll notice that some people will just pick up things yeah and when they start they're not at the st- they're not at square one when they start right that's because they've already were at square one <laughs> sometime <laughs> in the past <laughs> yeah so maybe so that's how you rolled into Jyotish and how yeah. did you so you had an actual guru then by the time or you still have? Uh, yes, yes. You still have, yeah. He's he's in India or where is he? Yeah. Cool. Vrindavan, Matura. Right, right, right. Out of right. Delhi. Yeah, out of Delhi. Yeah. Yeah, we've been there actually too. We we just hey, you went? We just went to India this um like uh. yeah. For the first time, it was quite yeah. an experience. <laughs> Did you like it? First time in India, yeah. First time in yeah. India, yeah. Yeah, we went there for a pilgrimage and for Ayurveda and for different teachings. And uh, what cities or cities? 
uh, we've been everywhere. We've been to Delhi, we've been to Vrindavan, we went to yeah, Taj Mahal, we've been to oh. the South Kerala, Mumbai, Gujarat. We did the pilgrimage in Gujarat to do the the, the 10,000 uh, steps. steps for Saturn to burn our Saturn karmas. Wow. It's a turnial <laughs> remedy <laughs> wow. to burn some calories and some Sounds like good exercise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. quite intense. Yeah, but Saturn is thin though, right? Saturn is very emaciated. Yeah, already, and the already. legs and the knees. So we yeah. were feeling yeah. them for at least three more days. <laughs> wow. Saturn was with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was really that was really awesome. Yeah, yeah, someone said like when you go to India, your karmas will unfold in like so quickly. Yeah. It comes out so quickly. So maybe especially when you have these teachings also somewhere in your system already. But um, yeah, it was really beautiful also to see we we learn about um, um, yeah Vedic philosophy, but it was also very beautiful to see how people apply it in their daily lives and not everywhere, mm. of course. But uh, it was really cool to also speak with people and also to see the, the temples and to be part of the experience in the temples and also to learn about the nakshatras because we actually met someone and his brother was in the process of an arranged marriage yeah. and there was a first selection based on the nakshatras and we're like oh wow. my god this is really happening yeah oh that's very nice yeah yeah it's a huge thing and then combined with modern technology, because he was getting on WhatsApp all the pictures of the women with the right nakshatra for his brother. And oh my <laughs> God. give his opinion. <laughs> the whole family is involved. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It was pretty that is cool. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But what I noticed when I went to India, when it comes to Jyotish, that they actually, they only use it like for like fortune prediction. It's really about just if something good or bad is going to happen. Um, well, that's not how we learn it, actually. For us, it's more like a psychology kind of thing. Like, who is this person? And what deeper a, understanding yeah. of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a quite a difference. Have you noticed that as well? Or how do you experience it? Or how do you use oh, Jyoti? Yeah, how well? do you apply it? I have a, I have a, a philosophy about that. Like, oh, yeah, I have some ideas about that. Um, one thing that comes to mind is when you don't have a big support structure psychologically, then you need new stuff to help you figure out your psychology. But if you do already have a bunch of systems, like I, even Ayurveda mm -hmm. already is going to tell you about your psychology by telling you Prakriti. Yeah. So I, one, one theory that I have is, well, Indians, also Indians, in a sense are simpler because there's gotras there's family descent yeah so there's not as much mystery like about who am i mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's cropping up more and more but i think there's less so in other words what i'm getting at is i think a typical stereotypical indian doesn't have much need for a scientific for a psychological analysis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they just really have some real practical needs about what when should I do my wedding? Um, whereas Westerners, maybe we have more more need for that stuff. Yet I, the important thing for me, the philosophy is that the philosophy that I mentioned is if we think that prediction of events is different from psychology, then we haven't really understood either. Mm -hmm. Because pre events, for example, the body is a manifestation of the mind right yeah so therefore events are manifestations of psychology mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there really isn't a difference between using you know if astrology used to predict events is the same exact thing as astrology used to do psychology it's just the way that you enunciate your interpretation is in words about a prediction or in words about a description right. but it's the same exact thing yeah does that make sense the, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's actually perfect. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. explained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just went there just to experience it for myself to see like, okay, how does this work here in India? And it's like, oh wow, they just they actually just I felt most of it was based on the Mahadashas. Hmm. Just like, okay, let's see when stuff is gonna happen, right? This is when you get your job, and this is when you're gonna get married, and this is when you get go abroad, stuff like that. And it was hmm. little explanation. And it, it felt, it's just like, here's the date, here's the date, here's the date. I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. Can I say one more thing about this too? Yeah. 
I think it's, I, I think maybe we're not so accurate when we come to that conclusion that Indians are like that. Mm-hmm. It might be the experience bias. Right. And also, I think it's changing. So what I mean by that is maybe actually that's a more masculine approach to life in general. Mm-hmm. That the, the idea of when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? I want to get something done. So yeah. I don't care about psychology. I care about things that happen. Right. That's like a masculine, that's men are interested in the external things. Yeah. So um, if you, most of the times the, in, in India, especially women are pretty much hidden behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And the people that you meet in India are mostly men. I yeah. don't know how different it is if you visit India as a woman. It may be it's significantly different. Mm-hmm. But um, so like most of the astrologers that you interact with, they're probably males or they're probably used to catering to males. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's some male focus on the astrology. But I think actually a lot of the Indians that I know and mm-hmm. I work with, they actually mostly d- don't care about like the date of when they're going to get married or something. It's right. not, that's not that interesting or important to them. They are actually really interested in why do I not feel happy? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how come I keep screwing up my relationship with my son? Right. Or some, you know, yeah. those kind of questions really do seem. So I, don't, I wonder if it's fair to say Indian approach to astrology is event oriented. I'm not so sure that it actually is. Maybe the, the side of it that we experience right. when we first come to experience it is. Well, I mean, it's quite interesting also because I feel that in the West, there's also a lot of masculine energy, as you said. And what we also notice is when we do readings, then, okay, people are interested in what can you say about me, about my chart. So I want to know about myself. But then also they're really, it's almost like they're grasping for control, you know. So when is this going to happen? When am I going to meet my partner? Mm -hmm. Are I going to have children? When am I going to get my job? And we are sort of like backing away from that because we want to support people more in deeper understanding of themselves than this when is what going to happen because it feels like this, this need for control instead of just letting life unfold and and yeah intuition yeah. navigate through life so it's quite interesting that you say that because yeah we notice that too in the west that maybe yeah. there's some that masculine energy feels that need for control and planning instead of yeah. and of course there are also a lot of people just what you said want to know more about themselves and de- understand why am i keep repeating this pattern for example yeah yeah, yeah. So how do you apply it? How what do I apply it? Like how, how is your way of, of doing readings or um, like explaining astrology, Vedic astrology to people? It, it's, it's so different depending on who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really say that it's X or Y or Z. It really depends on who it's for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you just, when you deal with a person, first of all, being an astrologer is extremely tiring mm-hmm. it's extremely exhausting if you do it well or try to do it well because it's so intimate because you just you have to blend your mind with the other person's mind and that's just such a drain because a lot of people's minds are in a lot of turmoil yeah yeah, yeah. so the first thing that usually happens with me is you f- you figure out who the person is like instinctually you figure out who they are and what they need mm-hmm. and then depending on that you tailor what you will let them focus on or not focus on or what you'll you have to direct because you're the boss really when you you're the guru really when you're giving the reading so you have to be the parent figure say no or no i'm not going to tell you that or that is not important that is not what's important to you yeah. forget yeah. about that get your mind off that if yeah. if that's what you assessed is you know truly beneficial to that person mm-hmm. so and how much are do you live like really in alignment with your chart do you know, like, okay, this, this is Yeah, me. without even try. like, I don't even really try it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> without yeah. trying. I mean, I think the real thing of how to, like, willfully live in alignment with the chart would be if I could see things that are negative, mm-hmm. like, which means things that I don't really like or value about myself, and then figure out from the chart how to sense myself doing them and like not do them so intensely or step away from them. Right. There's many, many things about myself that I don't like. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I try to make an effort, but it's difficult. And, you know, the best thing, the best thing in life really is marriage. Mm -hmm. 
because the partner really helps you improve yourself because they just don't tolerate your crap. Yay. So, <laughs> so, and it's not like a friend that you see once a week or something. These people live with you every minute. So they just, they cannot <laughs> tolerate junk. Yeah. So they really, they are the real side in that marriage is really great. And so I think like a combination of being married and having my chart to help me interpret the way that my behavior makes my wife feel sometimes that's pretty nice like that's nice and i could realize i think without that i might think what's wrong with this woman why doesn't yeah. she why why doesn't she agree with this or why doesn't she like this or you know what's wrong with her right yeah i think i i uh, recently posted one of your quotes it's it's one of, from one of the nakshatras videos i posted in our study group because i really loved it you said something like we should not focus so much on the birth chart but actually just the basic elements of astrology because they help us see and learn so much about life and otherwise if we just focus on the birth chart then we just connected to specific moments and stuff we're dealing with right now but we lose sight of the bigger picture and the magic of everything really and the, and the yeah. magic moment yeah yeah mm. Yeah, I really think that's a really important thing too. Like I, like, oh yeah, so that's also interesting. Like I really don't read my chart too much, but I do, like I think about astrology every day, like for several hours or a few hours at least, right? Every day. And I get more, I get more benefit from just figuring out the astrology, the symbols, like just figuring things out. What, what does Mars include and not include? Yeah, I learned so much about life from that. What does Venus include, not include? What's the fifth house really? What is, you know, all those things are actually a hundred times more important than understanding my chart because I'm only this guy now. Mm. It's not a big deal. Like I'm going to be dead and be somebody else. But the fifth house is always the fifth house. Yeah. <laughs> Mars is always Mars. So it's, to learn about the fifth house is way more important than learning about any particular chart right yeah 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 and then how did you roll into uh into the nakshatras or why you're this big love for the nakshatras how did that happen i don't know if i've really thought about it so i might have to waste your time a little bit as i think about it <laughs> that's okay yeah okay so right away as when i was in like your stage like let's figure out let's get all let's get all, let's ingest all this stuff and figure out all this stuff Right away, I was like, no, nah, nakshatras, that sounds really interesting. That's cool. I mean, because my background was very Indian and Vedic, and here's all this stuff with Sanskrit names and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That felt like the real deal. So I was interested in it, and then I was like, what is the information about it? There's no information about it. Or this information is so wacky. Like, I felt like the information that I was getting about nakshatras was like, anybody would make up any damn thing they wanted about a nakshatra and just say it and then because they posted it on the internet somewhere or maybe a youtube video about it then supposedly that was the information about this nakshatra i was really dissatisfied and with the information the, the book that huh? you, what about the book there was nothing bb ramad was nothing nothing bb ramad had nothing about nakshatras bb ramad is entirely house sign based um most most people have just abandoned the nakshatras. This is why there's like no really good information about nakshatras. Ooh. I think that's also how we felt because we were starting to research nakshatras and then you you find things online and they do not match up. So that's why we asked our teacher, yeah, yeah. Well, when are you going to teach it? He said, no, not yet. And then <laughs> he invented your videos. Uh, yeah. yeah. What I thought was, what's in the Vedas about the nakshatras? Yeah. And then I found out there's actually, well, as as much as I could find out at that time was, there's about four lines in the entire Veda about the nakshatra, just like so little, and it like only mentions the god of the nakshatra. That's it. Mm. So then I thought, well, if that's all that it says about the nakshatra, maybe that's all that I need to know. What else is there about the nakshatra? There's the way that it looks, because it's the thing about nakshatras is they are literally stars. Yeah. So they're lit, or or their areas based on actual stars, so you can actually see the shape of the stars that they're based on, so, and that's why there's this. That's why mula is mula because it looks like a basket. 
mm-hmm. things like that. Um, that Swati is Swati because it's really far away from the ecliptic, the star. That's the basic reason why these gods get attracted to those certain areas of the sky. So I had that to go on, what the star looks like. I had the name and I had the god. And I set out an experiment to see if I could make sense out of the stuff that people say about the nakshatras using only those three elements. And I did. And I wrote that book. I wrote a book called 27 Stars, 27 Gods. Yeah, it's so good. That's the result of that, of that you know, effort. Yeah. Then what happened after that was really mind-blowing. Shortly after that, I was attending a conference, which was very, it's, it's very rare for me. And so I, it was the first time I had met Ernst, Ernst Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. In person and he's like hey big baba uh yeah oh what are you doing and he's like oh my wife and i are translating the the nakshatra sutra i said what in the world is the nakshatra sutra <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean you're translating a nakshatra sutra i never even knew such a thing existed what is it? oh it's from taitariya brahmana i'm like what you're blowing my mind <laughs> You're in the right place again. <laughs> yeah. So right I looked time. it up. I got the source material. I got the source material and everything. And I, oh, wow. I said, wow, this is great. This is like, this is a full description of what the nakshatra symbolizes. And luckily it matched with what I had worked out from the gods. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, then I translated that. Nakshatra, the authentic heart of Vedic astrology is the name of that book. And there's even more sections in the Taitriya Brahmana where it's like prayers to the nakshatras. Wow. So, so with all people, that, actually, there's quite a lot of information about nakshatras. So for people who have no idea about this book that you're mentioning, like can you or what or what a nakshatra is, <laughs> how would you explain it? A nakshatra. Well, what's the sign? Let's go back to the zodiac and say what's the sign. So a sign is a segment of the ecliptic. So what's the ecliptic? Ecliptic is where planets move. Mm-hmm. So then there's sections of that ecliptic. How do you divide it into sections? Well, it's basically dominated by the sun. The planets will move around the sun. So the sun covers an X amount of space, and we call that a section. X amount of space in what amount of time? In the amount of time that the moon moves a certain amount of space, because the moon is the other big player in the sky. So what, what, what happens is the moon will go around the Earth once, observationally speaking. The moon will go around the earth once the sun will move a certain amount of space during that time which is 30 days 30 degrees and those are signs the amount of the amount of the ecliptic that the sun would traverse while the moon takes one whole orbit the nakshatras are the reverse it's the amount of ecliptic the moon traverses while the sun goes around once not in a year but in a day from sunrise to sunset so just like Rashi's or signs are 30 degrees long, nakshatras are 13 and a third. Mm-hmm. That's the average daily motion of the moon. And then each, within each zone, there's a principal star mm-hmm. called Yogatara. And, or star group that right. defines the quality of the nature of that zone. Yeah. So for example, Aldebaran, or however you say it, Rohini, the red star in Tor- in the constellation of Taurus, that's the principal star for Rohini. Yeah. Chitra is the principal star for Chitra. I mean, they take the names from the stars. Chitra is Spica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That makes more sense for Western. Yeah. So that's what nakshatras literally are. And so they're different. They're quite different from the zodiac because the zodiac is based on the sun's movement. So it's related with solstices, equinoxes. Mm-hmm. Whereas the nakshatras are based on the moon's movement and stars. So it's all related to stars, the sidereal things. Right. Yeah, that's what we always have to explain when people ask us, what's the difference between Western and Vedic astrology? Well, then first you have the different uh, zodiac, the tropical zodiac and the sidereal zodiac, but also that we say when a Vedic astrologer asks you about your sign, they're actually talking about your moon sign and even more specifically the nakshatra. So it's not because in the West it's really based on on the sun. I even had someone yesterday coming to me, oh, the moon, uh, the full moon is going to be in uh, in Scorpio. Well, then it's already, you know, they don't understand it because in the West it's in Sagittarius. And then it's like, oh, what does it mean for me? But Because I'm Scorpio. So then I say, okay, but are you Scorpio? Sun, moon, what is it? So it's mm. different science or lens. Mm. Sometimes for also very difficult to, to explain. Yeah. 
But if you break it down like this, what would your father say? It sounds quite scientific. It sounds very yeah, scientific. Would, yeah. Yeah. He would be okay. He would just be sitting there waiting for something to come up <laughs> wrong and then he'll jump on that. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a yeah. cool thing with Jyotish, right? It's also very uh, aligned with astronomy. It's not just astrology. So you can also explain it in a very scientific way. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the nakshatras basically say that no, not every Gemini is a Gemini, right? Like you can have different types of Geminis, basically, or different types of like different qualities. Depends, yeah. Nobody's um, the same Gemini or the same Taurus or the same. Well, for that, you don't even have to bother with nakshatras, really. You should really bother with the divisions. Mm -hmm. the, the, the divisions or the amshas. Mm -hmm. are the inherent parts of the Rashis. Right. So, for example, if you're at three degrees Gemini, it's different than six degrees Gemini. Yeah. Not yeah. just because of the other stuff that's in your chart, but even just the degree itself, three Gemini is different from six Gemini because the sub the sub portion of the sign is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, and then you do, I mean, Navamsha is the main one, but then you can even subdivide further. Right. Yeah, so many charts within Jyotish. Huh? So yeah. many. Yeah, it's just as infinite as the universe. It's like mind blowing. So then you have the nakshatra for your rising sign, the so the ascendant and the moon and all the other planets. That's a whole lot of different input and calculations you have to make as an astrologer. Yeah. Well, so what I've been interested in lately is um, not using any signs and houses at all. Hmm. So I developed one technique for it, and then I realized that there's another technique that already existed. So the one technique that I developed for it is you can figure out which nakshatras are prominent for a person and which aren't. Um, it's, you know, it's not in a simple, okay, so like there's simple astrology. Yeah. Oh yeah, even I wanted to mention this, like, we should all also recognize that in any culture, there's simple versus stupid versus very scientific versions of things. You know, there's very dumbed down versions. There's very introductory versions. And then there's also very elaborate versions of anything, whether you're in France or whether you're in Farida Bad. Um, you know, so there is really dumb versions of, of Vedic, of Indian astrology, of Vedic astrology, people you know, do really simple versions of that too. And there's very, very advanced, sophisticated versions. Same thing with the West. What really happened in the West is the printing press, historically speaking, the printing press had a huge impact on the West because of the development of the newspaper. Yeah. And that had a huge impact on astrology. Mm -hmm. Because actually people were fascinated with astrology for centuries. And when people start printing newspapers, what do people want to read about? Astrology. Yeah. So the newspapers were printing articles on astrology, but what? But because of mass production, they were starting to figure out how can we do this? How can we do readings for people in mass? Mm -hmm. Astrology is unique to each individual. How do we do it in mass? So then some astrologers who are authors in these newspapers, they came up with ideas. One idea is you could do it based on moon sign, right? But who knows their moon sign? You have to be pretty advanced to know your moon sign because you can't just look on a calendar and figure it out. So they, they opted away from moon sign and they said, well, sun sign is fine. Everybody knows their birthday. Yeah. 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 So that's why the, why did in the West sun based sun sign based astrology become so dominant is because the pop culture went to, um, went through newspapers. Yeah. Whereas in India, they never newspapers never was a huge thing. It was always village communication. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you were always interacting with real people. So there wasn't like this idea that, well, we need to really massify this, mass produce this. Yeah. So you could still do independent readings. But it's not really that Western astrology is sun-based. It's just pop astrology pop in the West yeah. is yeah. sun-based. Pop astrology <laughs> in the West, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit the same what we're doing to yoga, yeah. Yeah, like Star <laughs> Scrolls and Cosmo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Cosmo, like they, they occasionally interview like real real astrologers but i you have to feel for them because they they try to sell magazines yeah so they're just gonna they're if they print stuff that's not poppy then it's not gonna sell 
Yeah. 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 But it helps that there is a growing interest in, in astrology, but I agree. The way how we approach it. Right. It's like, yeah. it's different. Yeah. 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 So and then we also have like uh, the nakshatras of every like one and a half, two days, right? So every we can see like every uh, day, like, okay, this is the nakshatra of the day. And you can s perhaps match it with what's happening in that day, right? Yeah, yeah. How does that work? It sounds so like magical. It's a little difficult. Yeah, it's also a little difficult. It's difficult to do this um, on a massive scale too, because where you live, you have sunrise at a different moment than where I live, as we know. So I, I, maybe the nakshatra of my day right now is different than the nakshatra of your day. So for me to like make a publication or do a YouTube video about the phase of the moon or the, the nakshatra of the moon or the yoga, it doesn't work. Right. But yeah, what they do is the, the way the Indian system, the way any astrological system is that the inception of something determines its character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the inception of the of your life, your birth, that determines your birth chart, that determines your character, the inception of a country, the inception of a day, the inception of a year, the inception of a month, those determine the characters of those months. So at the big, the big day begins with sunrise. Almost everybody agrees. Almost all the astrologers agree. Some say midnight. Yeah. Um, the day begins with sunrise. So if you look at the conditions at sunrise, that will be the dominant condition for that day. So the moon's look in nakshatra, at sunrise, the moon's distance from the sun at sunrise. And then the way those two things combine, they tell you everything you need to know about the Mohorta of that day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because we really follow it like, you know, by the two, one and a half, two days, and then we watch your video and then we go like, okay. That's really cool. To learn and digest. Yeah. 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 It's so helpful. Yeah. It's so helpful. Yeah. Have Actually. sort of a structure also. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, you bring it in a very, like well explained and almost poetic way also with the shlokas and then really dissecting every sanskrit word and what it means so what is the symbolism of this like there's so much to it than just like uh this sign or this. like there's a it's a whole bubble almost like it's very profound yeah, yeah. thank you the nakshatras so you're uh, to us. You are the nakshatra, nakshatra expert. So we're just curious because since we are studying Jyotish and Ayurveda, we have like these different lenses. And when we look at life, or when we look at people, we don't see people anymore, but we see planets and zodiacs, <laughs> or we try to guess people's atmakaraka. So that's a bit <laughs> our game now. So do you have the same with like nakshatras? When you say people, you can see like that nakshatra is very dominant or... I wish. I really wish it was like that. You, you can guess our <laughs> nakshatra maybe. No, I wish. I'm not that kind of person I wish I was. I'm more like my dad. I'm a male and I'm kind of more like my dad than my mom. I, I, envy, I envy the people who are like that. Yeah. My, I, turn, I turn things on and off in my mind. When it's time for me to think about astrology, I turn it on and I think about astrology. And when it's time for me to not, I just turn it off. I, I wish I was more like mystical and intuitive and like always solved. But the well, other problem well, is because I don't have like a lot of culture around me of people to talk with that stuff about. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe that's also why it doesn't tend to happen that much for me. Yeah. And also, I, I get frustrated. Sorry. I'm keeping it. I get frustrated by that because my intuition is terrible. <laughs> this, this also inspired me to develop a systematic approach to astrology because my intuition is god awful. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, like my, I'm just too rash to jump to a conclusion, and then I think that that's my intuition. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really rely on intuition. I had to rely on like things that would calculate, you know, consistently. Yeah, but that's a big part of the whole astrology, right? Yeah. You cannot just, like, intuition, I think, is a big part. But also, yeah, I think the whole Mercury, the, the buddhi, the intellect is mm -hmm. a big part, the calculations. You have to yeah. understand it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And also what I learned now, also, uh, like, uh, studying Ayurveda already for many years, like, you have to go back to the original Sanskrit texts, because otherwise, like you can read like books for like all these translations on translations, but in the end, it always comes down to go back to the original text and see what it says. I support you one hundred percent in that. Yeah. One thousand percent. One thousand, yeah, right. I and couldn't agree more. 
And it feels like we're losing that kind of now with this whole pop culture and wanting to know about all these ancient wisdoms. But it's like, yeah, it's so hard to, to you really have to find the right teachers or people to, that help you remember, like, go back to that old text. Hmm. Read it because I think that's where the actual magic and the, yeah, the, the real explanations come from. Yeah. On that note. I so by second the when I was trying to figure out how can I just do purely nakshatra readings, yeah. I realized that there was a pre-existing system in the texts, mm. and that's called Tarabala. Tarabala. And it, it's well, it looks like the simplest thing. It, it looks like the simplest thing that you can just cross, you know pass over. Mm. It's just this idea that a planet can be in the same nakshatra as another planet or next to it or one away or two away or three away or four away or five. It's a really simple idea, mm-hmm. but man, that system is incredible. Right. It's like amazingly rich system mm-hmm. to interpret a nakshatra chart without reference to houses and Lords and all that stuff. Oh. So that's what I'm working on. Now I'm working on completing a report that would, be, that would, you know, make it so that you could, see your own chart process through the Tarabal system. Wow. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah, because how do you look at a chart? If you look at the nakshatra, would you look at the nakshatra of the moon or would you just look at the whole chart? Of course, you look at the whole chart, but to see which nakshatra is most prominent or has like... The... Let's, talk, yeah, let's talk about Tarabala for that. Yeah. So what you would do is you would say, let's start at the ascendant. What I would do first is is prioritize the planets, but that's let's not do that. Let's just say we'll start at the ascendant, and um, pick, and then we'll just go in order: one, two, three, four, five. We go sun, moon, Mars. Just go in order. Where is the sun compared to the ascendant? Nakshatra wise, is it in the same? Is it one away? Is it two away? Then that is the basis for my interpretation. But the really interesting thing is, let's say if the sun is one one nakshatra ahead of the ascendant that means the ascendant is one behind so they have a mutual relationship the tarabala gets really interesting because they have mutual relationships and those mutual relationships make sense they're things like i love you because you come to me that's like one of the relationships between sampat and atimitra Mm. and the other one is you're trying to be my friend but i don't like you Mm. that's mitra when the planets have one space in between them that's mitra and Vipat. Mm-hmm. One planet will be like, bro. <laughs> and the other one will be like, bro. You know, so then you can interpret that like this pla- the planet that's like uh, enthusiastic is like trying to give itself to the other planet and trying to impress the other planet and trying to make the other planet change its opinion about it. Right. So like, right. let's say if that's Saturn that's in that condition, then that means that things like about crit- critique, negativity, reduction, et cetera, are trying to convince somebody else that they're good. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then if it's trying to do that to say your moon, then it will be trying to do that to your emotions, your intuitions. If it's doing that to your ascendant, it will be towards your practical life, you know? And so those, those are the kind of relationships that you can figure out and you can figure out a, a like a gaggle of them, like a, so many of them, because there's nine points plus the ascendant. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of tarballs going on in a chart. And you can sort them out and all kinds of stuff. That's what our teacher always says. So relationships in daily life are already difficult, let alone the, the relationships between the planets. <laughs> 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 it gets even more confusing. Yeah. Well, what, how do you feel about uh, nakshatra matching? Because we experience that now in India, that that is a real, uh, still a real yeah. uh, thing. And also, uh, we talked with um, with Paula Crossfield. She's one of uh, Robert Serbota's students, and she does a lot with uh, cosmic business. So also business partners to see if they match or people that you work with. What's your view on that? And can can you use the nakshatras for that, or or do you get those questions from time to time? I think we definitely can use the nakshatras for that, but I'm not sure that I've figured out the best way to do it yet. Mm. And I've I've investigated a few various techniques, kuta system and all that stuff, but I'm not. I haven't. I kind of thoroughly investigated the kuta system, which is the typical Indian matchmaking system, and I've 
my my conclusion on the Kutu system is this thing has a lot of really good information in it for like thinking about or discussing about the aspects of this relationship. Like it really does say a lot of interesting things about a relationship between two people. But to the idea behind it is that you can numerically summarize down to a yes or no. Mm-hmm. whether these two partners are good or not, whether you have over X a number of points or under X number of points. I found that it failed pretty bad at that. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas the other system, which is where you do the um, geometric relationships between people, you use a by wheel and you do the geometric relationships between points, comparatively did much, much better. Okay. For, for, for boiling down to like a yes, get married or no, don't get married answer that actually matches people who have been successfully or unsuccessfully married. Um, but I think that I think that the real goldmine for nakshatra based compatibility is probably somewhere in with the gods of the nakshatras. Mm. Or maybe it's hiding in there with the tarabala, the inherent tarabala. So there's also in, inherent tarabala. So like Rohini is right next to Mrigashirsha. Yeah. So there's an inherent tarabala between the two, which is very nice. So those people should be favorable to each other. I personally always love Mergishirsha people, and they always like me. Mm. But, you know, other ones, they might have these difficult, there's these difficult ones, like, hey, like that one that I talked about with the bro versus bro. <laughs> That's not even <laughs> the hardest ones. Like, there's really, there's some really, like, difficult ones. Yeah. yeah. So I think the next round you know, what I do is when I get inspira- inspired to do something, I pursue it. So the next time I get inspired to like improve a compatibility system, I'll probably go, go down that, um, that path and, and research how to see if that actually will work or not. You sound like such a researcher, actually. That's my thing. Well, if you have eighth house, like through the roof, that's where you <laughs> tend to go. We kind of expected that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Big eighth house, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I spoke to a Jyotish guy, uh, Jyotish in India, and he told me like, you cannot actually do too many readings or too many, yeah, readings because then all your eighth house is light, light, yeah, activated all the time, which is quite difficult oh. for the person doing it. Yeah, I found that. Also, it's just your moon, just your 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 mind, your emotions just get worn out. I have to care about my kids. I have to care about my wife. Like how many clients can I care about? But I'm not the kind of person that can not care about. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. The person that I'm actually talking to face to face about their life. Right. So I decided, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pause on these readings. <laughs> and I'm just going to develop these. I'll, I'll develop these reports that I can impartially give to people. And I don't have to wear down my, my brain, you know, my, my heart really. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 It goes very deep. Huh? It goes very deep. This whole is deep psychology. Yeah, it's almost like you're a psychologist. Sometimes also we feel that people are really pouring their heart and their minds. Well, actually, they're the same out to you. And uh, yeah, also sometimes expect you to give them some guidance or support. Yeah. And they don't let go of you either. Like, it's not just like, hi, thank you. See you later. It's like you develop a relationship. Yeah, for us it's also very difficult to end the reading at a certain time because then there's another question. There's another yeah. question. <laughs> and then you get an email the next day, and then <laughs> three weeks later, another email. And a... Yeah. Yeah. But you still do readings or just reports now? Just reports. Reports. Okay. Yeah. 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 So at the but beginning, you know, of- I, I don't do for people that I don't know, for people that are like already in my life. Yeah. Okay. Like literally, they're like my kids, my wife, my, people that I'm trying to figure out if I, you know what I mean? Or just looking at celebrities and things to, to figure out who's a good example to teach this particular principle. Uh, I do that all the time. Yeah. But you will continue teaching a lot, right? Sharing yeah. the wisdom and knowledge. That's the path that you're you're focusing on as well. Like research. I feel like the, re- the reports are even more valuable because... The reason why I feel like the reports are more valuable is because people get spoon. If the longer you get spoon fed, the longer you remain a baby. Mm. And people expect an astrologer to just like literally hand them every single answer. How does that work? That's like you can't. Exp- you have to work to in a pregnancy. Both you know, there's work involved. It's not just you can't just do it by yourself, or you can't just do it with no work. So like producing something like a birth, uh, producing something like knowledge is like producing a birth. 
both parties have to be invested in it and have to make efforts to make this thing work. That's how it works with the readings or any kind of getting any kind of knowledge. You have to, you, you have to really, you have to do most of the work yeah. when you receive a reading. But I think when you do readings face to face with people, that gets downplayed because like, oh, you can answer my question and make it simple for me. Tell me black and white. Yeah. When, when am I going to blah, 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 or am I okay? Am I going to be famous or not? Yeah. And also what's very interesting is that people usually tend to hear what they want to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing gets lost in, in time and space. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes that's really difficult because they hear the negative things. A lot of people have like, bad self-esteem. Too much, too much on the negative things. Yeah. And like there's some um, beautiful things happening here, but there's a lot of focus then on what, what's not good or good in between brackets. There is no right or wrong, but yeah. Even though you say that some nakshatras, you say in your video, some nakshatras are not really nice. No. <laughs> not nice, but sometimes nice is not what's good. Yeah. Right? I, if I, if, if I'm a policeman, I hope I'm not nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I better be strict and serious. Yeah. yeah. It's really just using the right tools. In your videos, sometimes with one of the, like, few of the nakshatras, you go like, you have to understand, like, this is not a, like, uh, this is, this is a serious nakshatra, right? This is really, yeah. <laughs> this is not a nice nakshatra. Yeah. I think I owe that to people too, because um, when you are, living with that nakshatra let's let's say you're born with ardra nakshatra moon right and you hear somebody say oh it's actually so nice because you have a mystical blah 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 what you're really feeling subconsciously is what's wrong with me mm. i'm actually a very intense person and i want to yeah you know i get angry at people but this person is saying that i'm mm. supposed to be a fluffy spiritualist but I'm not. But I think I owe it to people to say, you know what? You you feel angry because you're supposed to be angry. Now just direct that anger to the right place. Exactly. And people feel like, thank you. You know, I feel validated. I feel like I didn't make a mistake mm -hmm. to be like this. This is the way I am. Yeah, but it's supporting people to put their nature to good use, right? Or to use it yeah. in, a, in a more uh, constructive way. So now at the beginning of the interview, you said like you came into this world feeling like not belonging anywhere, like this weirdo coming into, you know, do yeah. you still feel like that? Or now things makes more sense or you feel more like. I, it never leaves you. The the, the nature that a person is born with is the nature the person carries till the end. <laughs> yeah. But um, you mean, uh, as you go through life, you pick up lint. So in a positive sense, like you pin you pick up relationships with people that are also weirdos like you and then you make a little family of those people so by the time i'm this age it's not like also life is really difficult when we're teenagers it's so like everything is an emergency and it's so like intense i have to build the rest of my life with this it was very intense when i was a kid and i didn't know who I, what i could be basically i didn't know what i could be what can i be i'm not interested in anything what can I be or nothing? It doesn't seem right. But that's really that's really troubling when I'm 18. But now that I'm, let's say, not 18, um, it's not a big deal anymore. I already figured it out. Right. You know, it's OK. I'm not going to I know I'm not going to like crumble just because I'm not a businessman. Cool. Yeah. So, so if people want to know more about the nakshatras, they can buy your book, The 27 Stars and 27 Gods, yeah. right? They can follow your teachings online if they want yeah yeah so they go to your website victacara.com do i say that well you said it very well <laughs> a, that's not your is that your actual name that is my actual name oh okay. actual name being the name imparted to me by my birth parents Right, right, yeah, yeah. Or you yeah. already have a Vedic name. No. Does it sound like that's not a, my actual name? That sounds like a stage name. It sounds like yeah. yeah. I thought maybe Vic is like yeah, could be something you know, or Dakara is also like <laughs> yeah, wow. could be or a <laughs> thank yeah, you for that. short for something else, something longer maybe. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was yeah. not your actual name. Vic, I mean, short for Victor, which is funny. Also, this is weird. By the Nakshatra Pada sound system, yeah. like that system yeah. of naming a child, my parents did it right. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, they just made by mistake. They picked the right name, and also, <laughs> um, it also even matches. I forget something like Victor means Jai or Vijay. It's like yeah. it's even actually like a Vedic name. Like, wow! My parents kind of like randomly picked a pretty appropriate, <laughs> or maybe not so randomly. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. 
<laughs> what is really random in this life huh yeah yeah <laughs> well thank you so much Vic for for thank your time you. and for explaining everything yeah we, thank you uh, very much we are really a big fan of your work and explaining the nakshatras. So for everyone who wants to know more about this, you can go uh, to Vic's um, YouTube channel or you can watch, um, visit his website, victorcar.com. And uh, we will put the links in the, yeah, in the text. Or buy the book. It's really helpful. Really, really helpful to understand yourself and the world around you or the people. So yeah, yeah. thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Are you feeling lost in space? Book your consultation now to find out more about your astral passport and unique cosmic x-ray. Also, feel free to send us suggestions or questions anytime through Instagram or email. Or keep on spacing in this wonderful universe just a little bit longer. See you the next one.